Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan, and I'm uh, on the ministry team here at Journey. And as always, get the, the privilege to uh, host the podcast with Pastor Christian. This Sunday was message two of four in the new series titled Christmas at Journey. We're in the, just the first 14 uh, verses of John chapter 1 for this Christmas season. And the message this week is titled A Light in the Darkness. Uh, glad you're listening to the podcast today. As always, if you want to listen to the message ahead of time, it's always great to check it out either on our website. You can find it on YouTube or on our JCI app. But people tune in every week trying to find ways to grow in their faith, grow deeper, and ultimately we want to help people activate their faith. Uh, Pastor Christian, uh, I remember as we're getting ready to, to move into our new building, I remember the first sermon preached in our original auditorium, what we're now kind of calling our original auditorium back in 2016. So this is the last one in that building. Uh, what's going through your heart and mind as you consider that? Well, one, I'm, um, I'm grateful to be heading into a space that's going to allow us to do, I think, just what I would call like more more comfortable uh, ministry for people, to allow people to have a better experience of Jesus and community um, and building relationships and care. We've not had a real great space for that. So really looking forward to that. It's been an unbelievable five years, uh, but it's but it's been a grind. At the 8 a.m. service on August 28, 2016, um, I was sitting on, as you're looking at the stage, the, the, the front row of the right-hand section. Um, and I was sitting by Jimmy Dodd, who's my pastor coach, who came that first day of the building to just kind of celebrate with us. And he turned to me during the, the, during the second song of the first of three services on our first Sunday in the building, and he gave that great line from the movie Jaws. He just leaned over to me during the song, and he said, "'You're going to need a bigger boat.'" And I remember thinking literally that first Sunday as I took the stage, um, I thought, man, like we're, it's really cool what God is doing. I don't know where we're going to put all the people. And for more than five years, up to Sunday, December 12th, I mean, up to the Sunday that we just had, we've had conversations about where, where we're going to put all the people. So it'll be nice next week to think for the first time in a long time. Uh, will we have enough people to fill the seats rather than will we have enough seats to fit the people? <laughs> like we haven't, we haven't thought that or anything close to that for more than five years. So I'm really grateful for what God did, how he grew. First, how he, how he chastised my faith. Um, you know, we built our first building on what we knew we could kind of do, even if God didn't come through. And he kind of let us live through the pain of doing it on our own. And we built the second one based on what only God could do. And we're praying that that allows us to have fruitful, impactful ministry for years to come. I'm grateful for how God carried us, how he chastised us, how he challenged us, how he used us, and how God used that space, Ryan. There's thousands of people who made spiritual decisions, hundreds and hundreds of people who were baptized in that room, um, dozens and dozens of family that had their children dedicated in that room. That will be a a, a holy ground spiritual spot for many forever. But I'm excited to move to the new auditorium um, next week. Really, really, really excited. 
Uh, it, it is. It's been pretty amazing, and I'm sure it'll be kind of a, a an emotional moment uh, moving in there. I've, I've already thought through the waves of feelings that I'll have yep. as I as I stand in I've there. I've started and I, and having the waves of feeling as yeah, even as we as we move through our staff church service yeah. uh, this morning with our ministry team, trying to pull myself together, just beginning to lean in a little bit to the reality of what God is doing right now in this season. Yeah, it's been been pretty incredible. The deity of Jesus has been our focus in John 1, uh, the Word of God, the light of God, and the dwelling of God. This week we're focusing on Jesus as the light of God, and point number one is the light, the life of the light. It's, I had to say that a couple of times, the life of the light. This is really a fascinating part of the message, and, and you talk about each, each day of creation. Can you unpack these seven Ps? You're a preacher, so there are seven Ps, of course, you highlight from each day. So this was fascinating learning and really fun teaching. And I'm really grateful to the Apostle John that 1900 and some years ago, he wrote what he wrote to, to direct the steps that we were able to take. John said in John 1, 4, and 5, and Jesus was, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome it. So John 1 is a knockoff of Genesis 1. He's not even trying to hide the fact. I mean, they start with the exact same phrase, in the beginning. Genesis 1, 1, 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, the earth was, you know, formless and without void, and darkness hovered over the the shape of the deep, and then and then God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. John uses all those phrases in the beginning. He uses created, he uses spoke, he uses light, he uses darkness. Like John is saying, you got the beginning of the origin story in Genesis 1, but what you didn't realize is the light in Genesis 1 had a life inside of it, and that life's name was Jesus. That life was the light that shined in the darkness. So he literally goes back to Genesis 1, and he names the light. God spoke light into darkness. That light was Jesus. And if you read the first chapter of the Bible and the last chapter of the Bible, it is the same chapter. Genesis chapter 1 is creation. Revelation chapter 22 is recreation. In your Bible, like my Bible, it probably is titled at the beginning of Revelation chapter 22, the new Eden. Here's what God created Here's what Jesus recreated. And both of them have seven elements of creation that only Jesus fulfills. Day one, let there be light in the darkness, symbolized the presence of God, which Revelation 22.5 said in eternity is, is Jesus. The Lamb of God and God are in eternity, so you don't even like need the sun because God is there. There was just darkness until God showed up. Um, day two is God separated the waters below from the waters above, and he put a firmament in between an atmosphere. He put a place where people could live. In Revelation 21, 3, we hear Jesus say that there's a place for all of his followers to come and to be married to the bridegroom of Christ. On day three, we see that God not only created the land, but the land began to create vegetation and fruits and vegetables, which symbolizes provision. Genesis 1.9 says not only that God create land, but the land created provision. It was a picture of what Jesus, who would be the bread of life, would give us. And Revelation 22.2 says that God provides for 
us in every season of the year that the crops produce their fruit in eternity. In day four, God provided perspective. It said he put lights in the sky, a light to govern the night, the moon and the stars, a light to govern the day, uh, which would have been the sun. But we had already been told there was light. So the light was the life of Jesus. We were told that the sun, the moon, and the stars were only there as signs that there was a God who put it together so that we could have perspective. In Revelation 21, 23, we're told that those signs were taken away because the Savior was fully present. Uh, On day five, we see God's power created because he created living, breathing things. He created fish in the sea and birds in the air. He had the power to create life. And in Revelation 22, 2, we see that God created healing. He has the power to heal brokenness of life. On day six, we see God create purpose because he not only created all the animals of the land, but then he created humanity to take care of them so that they could serve him. And we read in Revelation 22, 3, that one of the things we do in heaven is serve God day and night forever and ever. And on day seven, we see perfection because Genesis 2, 1 said everything was not just good, it was very good, good enough to rest and be satisfied. And in Revelation 22, 3, we're invited into an eternal rest. So this thought that in the beginning was darkness and God said, let there be light. John said that light was the life of mankind, and his name was Jesus. Remember, Genesis 1 is not about the creation of the universe and humanity. It's about the creation of life within the universe in humanity. The world was already there. Darkness was hovering over the face of the deep. And when humanity was created, they were a lump of clay until God spoke life into the universe and breathed life into humanity. So the origin story of Genesis 1 is not the creation of the world in humanity, but life in the world and spiritual life in humanity. And John takes us back there and says, hey, y'all, that was Jesus. That is Jesus. What God did in Genesis 1, what Jesus did in John 1, God wants to do today in your life, your name, 1-1, your story begins, your life begins when the light of Jesus dawns on you. So a fascinating picture that John tied together from Genesis chapter 1, to John 1, to eventually Revelation 22, which John would also write as the last book that he would leave the Christian church. A fascinating kind of poetic picture that John weaves together to show us creation, recreation through Jesus. And that's a picture of our life. We were created broken, unfortunately, because of sin, but we can be recreated spiritually because of Jesus. Yeah, it's really a great connection. When I when I saw that come together, I thought, man, that is that is a really powerful part of the message. Uh, the second point was the reception of the light, and you talk about three things here: recogn- a recognition problem, a rejection problem, and yeah. a receiving promise. Why is this a critical part of the text in John one nine and ten? Yeah, so I mean, John gives this great truth: God is here, and like He brings with Him a light. That is life that you should have. But John's like, not everyone recognized that. Some people clearly recognized it and rejected it. And the only people who received it were people that God was birthing spiritually. So I think he helps us see the reality of our world because as as Jesus people, like you and I are, we still wonder why everyone doesn't love and follow Jesus. 
because we've received him and we've received the life that he's given and it is the life to the fullest like he promises it'll be we're like how come everyone doesn't receive this and i think what john does is john tucks a little reality for the for the jesus follower right in john chapter one of realizing even though jesus does all this for you one there's still people who don't recognize so like you got to be a witness to the light so there's like there's a real strong point about because some people don't recognize it yet you got to help them you got to help them see you're not the light but you can be a witness to the light you can point people to jesus but then he says there's going to be some that just flat reject reject him um you know a lot of people say well the jewish leaders of the first century didn't understand that jesus was the messiah they understood that he said it that's why they crucified him because he said he was you said well the jewish leaders of the first century didn't they didn't understand that Jesus was God. No, they understood he said he was. That's why they crucified him. They didn't misunderstand the truth. They rejected it. He told them, I am, I am God's son. I am deity. I am the Messiah. And they said, no, you're not. And they killed him. And there are some people that even when they, when they fully grasp the reality of this, that are like, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to spiritually follow him um like we said they think jesus is a is has great insight but no authority like great insight to a lot of things in life but don't tell me don't tell me what to do tremendous teacher but never can be master um so there are people who flat reject jesus but then to those who receive him and i love what john says like not because not because of who their parents are not because of religion not because someone made them but because God called to them, because God saw them, because God loved them, because God saved them. What John was saying is this, this whole thought of God coming down was God's idea. God is the one who did this. And he did it because he loves you and he wants you to receive not just the light of life, but the adoption as a son or daughter into, into his spiritual family. So it's just, I, I think more than, more than learning I think it's just recognition and understanding. Um, not everyone gets it yet. Some people get it and don't want it. But to those who receive it, uh, man, every everything changes. Uh, there's so many of us that have friends and family that are praying that God will touch their heart, yeah. right? At Christmas yeah. time, throughout the year, Lord, help them to understand. Because God's calling them, and we... Uh, we just want to continue to point them to him and hopefully they'll eventually open their heart. Yeah. We still believe it's God's idea for them to see the light Yeah, and to be born again, but they got to recognize that and they got to, re- and they got to receive that and they got to stop rejecting it. If, if they are, it kind of, kind of leads into the next question. You conclude with a statement, really powerful statement. Darkness still hovers. Yeah. Jesus is still the answer. Yeah. And inside the new building, great big on the wall near the cross. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to drive by and see it at night. It's you can see it from from the highway. It's all about Jesus. Uh, what is your hope for the impact our church will have for Jesus in our community? You know, our core beliefs, the things that that we believe either make us successful in our calling, um, the things that make us impactful in our calling, are that. One, that people would grow spiritually, um, that people would care for their community, impact their community, that people would go all over the world serving, that people would live generously, that people would multiply in their faith, that people would share Jesus. I mean, 
our hope is that people in our church become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. And the greatest difference they can make, one, in their own soul, giving Jesus more of their life. Jesus told us to pray his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But that starts in us. So every time I pray that prayer, it's like, Lord, I, I know you can't have more of Lee Summit until you have more of me. So whatever you don't have in me, I want you to have that. Um, we know people need to grow spiritually. And then, they, and then they need to serve. They need to engage. They need to love their neighbor as they love themselves. They need to find hurting people, and they need to try to do something about that. They, um, you know, they need to try to exist to share Jesus and show Jesus to the world. So our, our hope for our church is that we will be a light that gives life that brings life and that and that points the way to Jesus for people that don't know him and that points the way to a deeper multiplying discipleship for those who do know him but aren't really living on mission for him yet we say in our growth track step 1 which is kind of the top of our discipleship funnel the way we believe our church impacts people which is the way our church impacts our community is that we help them know God be transformed discover their purpose and then go and then go change the world by doing it. We believe if we can do that one person at a time that we will make our community a better place. Uh, those are the marching orders we feel like Jesus gave us. Those are the areas that Jesus promised to be with others and those are the areas that Jesus promised he would always empower if his people would live on mission and go do it. So like I'll always be with you to the very end of the age if you're doing this type of stuff. So for us, it's all about Jesus, his mission, his purpose, uh, his calling um, in our obedience and relationship as we walk with him, trying to become Christians who multiply ourselves uh, by m- being disciples that make disciples of other people. Yeah, and our mission statement will be big and bold on the on the wall as well to constantly remind us what our purpose is. So a lot of, a lot of great visual reminders of of what we want to to do and what we want Jesus to do through our church. Uh, You close the service with communion as we wrapped up the last service in the original auditorium. Uh, Why did you choose to celebrate the Lord's Supper together on that occasion? Jesus told his disciples in his his last pre-crucifixion ministry with him, um, listen, anytime you remember me, do it this way. And I just thought, like, if, if we could do anything in our last moments in our old auditorium, I think it would just be to say like, it would just be to say, thank you, Jesus. It would just be to acknowledge that Jesus had been with us in that space. And Jesus said, the best way you remember me is by remembering the, my body that was broken for you and my blood that was shed for you. So I thought the most appropriate way to say thank you to Jesus for all the time his presence spent with us in that auditorium was to do what he asked us to do and remember his body was broken and his blood was shed so that we might through the new covenant, the new promises of God have the spirit of God change us from the inside out. Yeah. It's it's always a a really powerful moment whenever you can have that personal connection, um, whether it be in worship, whether it be taking communion, whether it be on your face in prayer, just to remember, um, man, we owe it to him. The fourth discipleship track that we share each week, leadership track, where our hope is to lead people to help somebody else with what they've learned. Uh, what from this message, Pastor Christian, would you want our audience to share with, with someone? I think the reality that there's a recognition problem, 
Not everyone recognizes Jesus yet, and some people reject him. So how do we live our life in a way that helps people receive him? John told us that John the Baptist, different John, was sent from God to be a witness to the light, to point to the light. The Greek word for witness um, that's in the scripture is the word we get the English word martyr from. It's it's martyria. It literally said John gave his life for the purpose of letting people know who Jesus was. And most of us are not asked to give our physical life at this point yet in our country um, to die for our faith. But as we get ready to head into not just our first Sunday in the new building, but baptisms next Sunday, one of the ways we let our life point to the light is by making our life more about Jesus than us. And baptism is the first step of doing that. We talked about it on last week's podcast. We talked about it in, in last week's message. Um, the way that we be a martyria, like John the Baptist had his head cut off because he gave his life as a witness for Jesus. Most of us only have to get wet in this country at this time to be able to say to the world, I'm with him and I, and I want my life to point you to him. Um, so I would say consider being a marturia if you've not yet and get, and get baptized um, either this next coming Sunday at church or in the first quarter of next year. Uh, I would tell anyone I'm discipling, um, Jesus wants you to make sure you, that your life points people to him. Best way you can do this, first way you can do this is get baptized. Have you done that yet? And if they've not, I would help walk them through that process, help them develop the courage to do it, figure out what I needed to do to help get someone to the point where they could be baptized. Great action step. Hopefully uh, many of you listening, if you haven't, would do that. You can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. We'd love to uh, help you uh, take that next step in your Christian walk. Pastor Christian, another great podcast. Thank you for uh, wisdom today. Thank you for listening from wherever you're at, whether you're here locally or we know we have people from around the world. We're glad you found us. We'd love for you to rate us. That's always helpful. And uh, we would invite you to be a part of uh, next Sunday, the 19th, as we open our new building services at 845 and 1030. We'd love to see you here in person if you can make it. Um, Man, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.